0: Hello, this is Beth Maples-Bays, and this is Lesbian Echoes, a podcast about lesbians in Appalachia and beyond. Let's listen to the stories of lesbians over 70 and all the rich experiences they have to share. I can't wait to hear their stories. Can you? Hello, Beth here. Today we're going to be speaking with Gay Chapman, and it's a very interesting conversation. (laughs) How are you today? Great. Well, I'm glad to finally get to meet you. Um, it's a
1: little noisy in my house, so I had to go drive around a residential street looking for a piece of shade where it was a little quieter.
0: Well, I, I'm glad you've joined us. Um, let's just start with, um, since this is about older lesbians, um, just start with telling me how old you are now and how old you were when you came out. Well,
1: I'm in my mid-60s. I don't want to say my exact Year of age, because my birthday's on social media. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm on uh, Medicare, so you can take it from there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, coming out was a process. I remember telling a church counselor, oh, I had to be maybe 13, that I knew I was attracted to women. So I've known that for a very long time. I didn't act on that for probably almost 10 years after that.
0: Well, um, so you were what, 23 when you came out? It was about I think it was was around 21. I was um,
1: working in an anthropological library and two women must have been checking me out and they came and brought a flyer for a women's dance and gave it to me. They introduced themselves and gave me a flyer to a women's event. And I was like, very interesting. So I went and I found other lesbians, and I never looked back.
0: Well, um, what area of the country
1: was this in? This was in Tucson, Arizona. I was born in Michigan, and my family moved to Tucson in, uh, in the mid-60s. So I grew up in the West, and it was like a really great place to grow up. Loved it.
0: I, I've lived out West. I loved it. Well. Sorry, I said I lived out west for a while. I loved it.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. nothing like it.
0: Yeah, there really isn't. Um, so, you went to the dance, and did did you did you make friends? Did you how did you come into the lesbian community? That was I, going to a dance,
1: and meeting women, and exchanging phone numbers, and finding out when the next dance was or what, what events were happening. We had, back then we had women's, we had a women's club, a women's bar. There was a couple of gay bars. There was uh, like a lot of sporting events women participated in. I joined a softball team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so softball teams, they're famous. Back in the day, that whole scenario is disappearing, Um, but we were fortunate to get to participate in that. Um, So um, how, how old were you and how did you come into your first lesbian relationship?
1: Well, I was in, obviously I was in my early 20s, and I, from meeting women, I started dating women, and from dating women, I fell in love with one, and looking back, it wasn't a long-term thing, of course, I didn't know that at the time, I was very
0: much a (laughs) U-Hauler. uh so you you came out and dated women and this was in Tucson Arizona so so in in your lesbian life what what do you think were the primary influences on you um as a lesbian yes
1: well I I knew some radical feminists back then, even back in the day, but mostly I wanted to get a date. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <who are> you! <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have
1: any problem getting dates back then.
0: <laughs> it, it it was fun. I, of course, I fell in love with the, one of the first women I dated, but. That's, that's my story, not yours. So so you had fun <laughs> dating. And um, how did your family react? Well, my family was pretty conservative.
1: And of course, coming out is a process. And first, you come out to yourself. Then you come out to your family and friends. And my mom didn't take it well i think my parents always kind of knew and my dad took it in stride pretty well and eventually they came to accept it just fine but you know for them to like, to have to face the fact that their daughter's telling them that she's a lesbian i'm back in the mid-70s with you know conservative World War Two era people was uh, not an easy thing for them to take. The, the stigma was like,
0: too great. I think that um, a lot of families grappled with that back then. Um, they did. did you have siblings?
1: I have three sisters.
0: Oh, well you're unfortunate. Yeah, I'm
1: the second <laughs> oldest.
0: I had a lot of company.
1: <laughs> so I'm a really good test case for uh nature versus nurture because they're all heterosexual and I'm the second oldest. We're all raised virtually identically. Yet, you know, here's the one lesbian in the in the group there.
0: So you were you were the the odd woman out, so to speak. Um <laughs> Yeah, because but, I had, you
1: know, I was from childhood and then they accepted it. I was a, obviously a a a total tomboy. <laughs> I was the original barrette Yanker.
0: <laughs> uh, so you so you were the, the tomboy. Would you would you describe yourself as much? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'm, uh, I'm so I, glad I, you I said yes. <laughs> I don't
1: know if I would be called a soft butch or just butch because I knew some women that were really presented masculine like a lot more than me. And I got, but yeah, I consider myself butch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, go- I'm <laughs> glad you do because our butchers <laughs> are disappearing. Um, I, I hope they come back. It seems like the, that might be a possibility. But um, yeah, um, so so over the span of your life, how, how have your um, interest in activities changed? Well, being in
1: Tucson, and I had never planned on leaving, But I went to the University of Arizona there and graduated, and I wanted something different. So I went into an apprenticeship for becoming an electrician, and I became an electrician. About the same time, the work picture was terribly bad, and I said to myself, "Well, you either have—if you want to stay working with the tools, you're either going to have to leave." Well, oh, you can stay here with your friends and family and, and do something else. It, it might be less. It might not be the same kind of career. But in, in some ways, then Tucson was kind of a dead-end street. And I picked up and went to California. And I was looking for work. I hadn't planned on staying, but obviously I never left. <laughs> and it happens sometimes. I, I like it here. I love the climate. I um, got work. I left the trade in 2004 and became an inspector. And I'm now a senior electrical inspector and I, I really love my work. I like what I do. It's, it's fit in well with my um, background in the electrical trade. So I guess you could kind of say I'm content in that regard.
0: So, do you have any hobbies or um, other interests? Well,
1: I adopted my niece in 2012. In 2011, I became a foster parent for her. And I mean, she's preteen, so I kind of <laughs> I don't have a lot of time for hobbies. <laughs> That's a full-time course, job.
0: I've been there. one little
1: item. I, uh, I, I'm the owner of After Ellen. <laughs> so I have a
0: very full, full plate. <laughs> wow. I, it, so you're working and you have a daughter.
1: Yes, and I'm married.
0: Oh, and you're married. Oh, <laughs> How long have you been married? I came to California
1: in I think nineteen eighty-five, I think. Mm-hmm. And I met my wife shortly thereafter. And we got married in California in twenty thirteen. And of course, that marriage became recognized by the rest of the country in June of twenty fifteen. So we've been together a pretty long time.
0: Since eighty five, that is.
1: Right. A long, a long time. She's a, a local Native Hawaiian girl, and we've been to Hawaii a couple of times to see her family and, for me, learn about Hawaii.
0: Is she um, Hawaiian Native in in terms of race or in terms – yes, she is?
1: Part Native Hawaiian, but uh, mostly.
0: So, so how how is that? That's like a a, a two bicultural relationship, if you will. How how does that work? Um, Well, go
1: ahead. She she was living in California, and she lived in California for quite a few years. And I imagine for her coming to California from Hawaii, it was. Probably more of a culture shock for her than me coming to California from Arizona, but you know, we've we've found our ways. She's She's quiet and a very, very private individual, and I respect that. She's not on social media at all, so it kind of helps me out a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't imagine a life without social media at this point. I know. We're totally different in that. <laughs> well, I'm glad there are people who are different. You know, my partner isn't on social media either. So it, it's, um, it's, it's a balancing act. Um, do, do, have you been involved in the, the lesbian community, locally, politically speaking, or in lesbian groups at all? Well, you know, here's the thing, I've been in the
1: electrical trade since the, wow, since like the late 1970s, so it's been my whole career, and it's really, it's tremendously physical, and when I came to California, I would work and then take classes at night trying to better myself, get more, more knowledge from the technical side, the code aspects. And that that was what propelled me in a way of getting the inspector's position. But it left little room for socializing because I was like always working or in school. So, and I, by then I had, a, you know, a wife, a townhouse. We had our, we were kind of wrapped up in family life, basically. And I know I'm, for people, women my age, that really helped. I don't think it was that uncommon that a lot of us were taken by surprise because lesbian bars were closing and I really hadn't, I didn't have my fingertips on the pulse of what was happening in women's community. And I, I kind of regret it now, but at least when I started getting into social media and seeing what was going on, I was like totally aghast.
0: Your presence is welcome on social media. I I have to say that. Um, uh, I follow you on Twitter as you probably are aware. And um, I find that you're very insightful and you have a lot to say and um so so that to me that makes up for some of the years you may miss (laughs) um i'm I, i i'm aghast at what's happening as well um and and as far as i'm concerned we can name it um and and I was wondering if you felt comfortable talking about um, what's going on in the lesbian community as far as the young women and the the high percentage of transitioners that are transitioning to male, chemically and medically, surgically. do you feel comfortable talking about that?
1: Yeah. Well, first, I'd like to point out that male and female are innate, and they people may want to present as the opposite sex, but you can never actually change your sex. What I would like to speak to is the rampant homophobia that is wrapped up in this identity, identity politics. Uh, Sexual orientation is not an identity. And somehow we've lost our way when major organizations, many, many professionals feel completely comfortable with transitioning what are probably mostly LGB youth or, or kids that if they were left alone would reveal themselves, if they were allowed to grow up naturally, would reveal themselves to come out and be gay. Maybe not every single one, but many, many. And why, why isn't it not okay to be gay and lesbian? That's my big the it, it's the overarching question. Why is it more acceptable for parents to want to have a transgender child than what's an obviously a gender not what we would call a gender nonconforming child? I I don't I I just can't wrap my head around how people can justify this logic.
0: Well, I think that the background story is very important here. And that's, that's all the money that's being poured into this whole trans ideology. Um, I've I'm, I'm been reading a lot of Jennifer Bellick and um, she's opened my eyes to these multimillionaires that are pouring money into things like the Arcus Foundation gave 15 million dollars to the ACLU and lo and behold suddenly they're promoting trans ideology um, it's just it's frightening um, I, really, I do agree that
1: I think transition, surgically transitioning children and chemically transitioning children and young people will be looked at the way that lobotomies are looked at now. And I, I don't know what it's going to take. I think we're starting to get there where people are beginning to take a far more critical look at what is happening. Not fast enough for me, but I, I think balance is starting to take place here. And we need that balance.
0: We yes. need it. Yeah. I was I was very surprised when I found out that Planned Parenthood is right offering Gender transition. Right. I was aghast. I used to same work for Planned Parenthood. Same. And,
1: well, the same. And you have the National Organization for Women saying that males, trans women, are women. What the hell happened to advocating for the female sex class?
0: I I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's like I was asleep and then I woke up. Yeah. It happened. I was
1: was asleep and I woke up and said, I I can't use those words, but what the actual heck (laughs) is going on here? Well, you have human rights commission. You have lesbian organizations. That aren't advocating for lesbians and gay people anymore.
0: National it's center all about
1: for trans. The national center for lesbian
0: rights is run by a trans man. It's all. <laughs> it's all about the money. Yes, the it money. Is. It is, and 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 their
1: profiles, and less and less about the women who need it, the gay men who could use the help. And this, yeah. it just, it's so
0: rapid. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I was very, very active in the LGBT community. I, I call myself a t- recovering trans ally. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, 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 wrote for trans publications and, um, the, the whole bit. And, uh, uh, I, I got, cancer and was out of the community for a long time and then when i came back there were, all these people were like bi- non-binary and they, they were yeah, yeah it, the it, was, it was just a, anyway i i i i felt like a stranger in my own community what i, I was aghast absolutely aghast can, can you, can you imagine like, like a butch like me looking at these people calling themselves non-binary? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> it's crazy. And, uh, I was, I was interviewed for, a queer, queer culture, uh, his history project. And, I, I, at the time, I really didn't understand what queer theory was. I, 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 I'm a fairly recent peak um, within the last six months, as a matter of fact. And I was very disappointed when I saw the um, selections that had been made to, to use for the introduction to this history project there was the only lesbian that was on there was one that was affiliated with the university because this was the project was being done by a university librarian and the rest of them were all trans or non-binary and I- I, I'm i I'm sorry, I'm talking and you're supposed to this is your interview. But I I, I was um I was very surprised. And and then I went to a, a meeting online and I I was the co-director of Pride here for two years and I I was the East Tennessee bureau chief for Out and About Newspaper. I, I was a staple in the community. And the people at that meeting implied that I, I shouldn't have input because I wasn't involved in the community. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was on the board of the Tennessee Equality Project. I don't, uh, it, it goes on and on. My, yeah. my involvement was very deep, but anyway, Um, (laughs) I think that I could talk to you about this all day. I really do. Oh, you can. And I can tell you
1: from my perspective that even from before I purchased After Ellen with my business partner in 2019. And before then they were being tagged as a turf publication and after we bought them we've been continually tagged as a turf publication why because we cover stories music podcasts movie reviews, book reviews for lesbians and bi women right it's not a matter of excluding it's a matter of this is what the focus of the publication is, and as far as I know, it's that's always been the focus of the publication, but some people have made it a point to call us TERFs and haters, which I don't consider myself a hater, right? No. There is a time and a place for inclusiveness, and there's a time and a place where the women's community should have their own voices and that i intend on keeping after ellen precisely what it is Uh, a a fun place to come and get community news some commentary some good reads and is going to stay that way it's for the for lesbians and bi women and and it's a website anybody can come and read it and look at it
0: Yeah. there's not yeah. one word of hate in our publication none i know that to be true because i've been reading after alan well off and on since well 2006 i believe right they've
1: been along since 2002 and I, i'm working diligently to try and get our our older articles back up but it's taken a back seat to some other concerns but but we're going to get there and i i really want to look down the road and say we're going to stay the course
0: well i don't see anything hateful about after ellen that's There's nothing at all. <laughs> nothing nothing at all no nothing whatsoever no and and I think that women have a right to their own spaces Um, and and I agree with you that there are there are two sexes men and women and my partner and I have had long discussions about this Um, but but that's that's right that's the way it is you either I mean even intersex people are when they're born they're either male or female they they may have some some pathology going on there but that that's it we we don't have three sexes or four sexes and and this spectrum doesn't exist i can remember
1: some women's dances and you have to remember this is way before cell phones this was fly, I don't know about posting publicly, posting flyers, but handout flyers, word of mouth, telephone tree, meet up with your friends. So we knew when dances and things were taking place. And I would get hundreds of women, a couple hundred women, I think that I could remember. And we had, uh, we had some butches that would uh, watch the doors. And I, I was clueless. It just went right over my head because I was interested in women, looking at women, dancing with women, and maybe getting a date. <laughs> but they were there checking for uh, cross-dressers, trying to, trying to get in. And if there, was, if there was, like, doubts, they would check that person out they would either be let in or not. And I think it was like maybe a boom check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would, I would.
1: Some of this has been going on for like a a very long time. I've seen articles and whatnot, a thing here, a thing there. So, you know, from what's been published, you know, that this kind of issue has been cropping up for probably time
0: immemorial. <laughs> probably. Probably. I, I remember a, a, a cross-dresser showing up at a party that I went to in Montana in 1978. So yeah, it's been going on for a long time. Oh, I remember being at a party and I'm like, um, what's up with uh, this person? And I'm like, oh, it's okay. He wants. He just wants to be a lesbian well i'm sorry but <laughs> men can't be lesbians
1: but back then it it was just uh, trying to be kind here but back then it was just it was like far more tolerated because they weren't trying to take over the world they weren't trying to take over right there was oftentimes maybe someone quietly in the corner minding their own business and, and you know not being intrusive so it, it was probably I, mean, I don't know what to say but it was a different a different time. Yes.
0: Different day. It was it was but but I think that a lot of the cost dressers well I went to um a conference in atlanta i can't remember the name of it right now but um it was for trans folks and almost i was i was the only lesbian there um besides my partner of course (laughs) (laughs) like 90 percent of the people there were straight men with their wives yeah oh it was calling themselves lesbians
1: yes and i i can't i have to insert expletive right there
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and and you have to feel sorry i do for their wives as well because it's it's got to be uh, humiliating I've, I've read some
1: I feel sorry for them but also uh, I don't because there's this basic
0: dishonesty
1: that 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 takes it takes from us it takes our term it takes our community for every gathering where there's a bunch of men and their wives calling themselves lesbians there are lesbians who are marginalized. They're either on the sidelines or they're not there at all. So okay. it enrages me more than it amuses me by far. Okay. Because I want for our youth, our and believe me, some of them aren't so young anymore either. But they're younger than me, so everybody's a kid. I want for our women's community to have events again, have dances, have concerts, camp out. And I know things are starting to start up again. And it is kind of like the old days. A lot of it is kept a little bit under the radar just because we need to, to keep it away from the rest of the uh, alphabet. Well, I I envy you that. that For our young people to be able to have more of a community than just internet friends.
0: Right. And, And yeah, because the only community that's out there right now is the queer community. And
1: And I don't use that term for myself anymore. I mean, in fun, we used to use it all the time. When I'd be out with the girls, we'd be like, hmm, do you think that woman over there is queer? (laughs) It's like, yeah. (laughs) Go talk to her. But I don't call myself queer. I don't have a problem if other women use it for themselves. But I get a little queasy and, you you know... just not comfortable with that term for me or for the women's community.
0: I would agree with you there. And I remember the name of the conference. Queer encompasses whatever these days,
1: kinksters, kink, furries,
0: straight people. I I, I know, it's, it's like it has lost its meaning entirely. And because, I've been called queer
1: and and not in a nice way and not in a fun way right And most young people today have not done that have not lived they don't have that lived experience of being called a queer or a homo or a le, or, or lesbian but when I was in high school lesbian was like do you think lesbian was whispered? It was something I didn't want to be and it, that Those years between when I told someone I was attracted to women and when I actually finally started kissing and dating and loving women, those were years of struggle for me. Because lesbian was, I tried not to be a lesbian. I tried not to. And, and eventually, the self-acceptance came, but it was it was years. And I do have to wonder, what would have been my fate if I had been the little tomboy, if I'd been the little girl, the barrette yanker who couldn't keep her thumb down in the pictures, right? That little streak of naughtiness, of, of, of not being the, the little the cute little girl, I, I, I don't have any doubt that I, I would probably be endangered from this transgenderism philosophy that is all the craze now. I'm, I'm sure if people bought into it, I would have teachers and professionals questioning.
0: Well, you know, it's on the side of the cereal box now. Yeah. The whole- pick-your-pronouns deal. Um, Cheerios, I think. Yeah. In in rainbow colors. It's it's just, it's pervasive.
1: I have very mixed feelings about the rainbow flag. I, I see the flag, especially those ones where it's unfurled, and I do, I have that nostalgia and pride for, for, when I came out and I was felt like I was part of gay and lesbian community and that we were facing job discrimination, we were facing stigma, we, were, we didn't have laws to protect us and in inheritance and employment. We didn't have marriage equality back then. We didn't have acceptance. In broader society, even our a lot of our families, my my family was like far more tolerant than many families, and so that flag does mean a lot to me. But on the other hand, I am kind of sick to my teeth of the corporatization of the rainbow colors. It. it the appropriation of the rainbow flag by the transgender community. And I know it doesn't belong to me, but I just have a different sense of what it did mean to me. And I know many, many gay people who don't don't they
0: put away their gay flags
1: there because they're they put away their rainbow flags.
0: I know I have.
1: And I I, I just have mixed feelings about it all the way around.
0: And and have you seen the new flag? The one that incorporates the, there's a a wedge in the beginning and has black and brown and pink and blue. Yeah, It it makes me, like you said, just queasy to look at it and know that they, they, Something has been taken from us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So much has been taken from us. I see transgender people with the labrous flag. I see transgender people calling themselves lesbians, dykes, femme, taking, taking our part of our culture, appropriating it, because it's not theirs, it's not theirs to have. And I know there's going to be people outraged about what that, but there I said it.
0: Well, <laughs> I would totally agree. I, I know when the one time I got to go to Michigan, um, that there, there were transgender, what I call MTFs, I don't know what they call them now, but um, they would weasel their way in and, and I, I just felt exploited or invaded because um, it was supposed to be a special place and like I said I only got to go once and that's my one big regret is that i
1: i never went to mishfest
0: well i i have some real mixed feelings i i about going but they they don't have anything to do with the sacredness of the land and women's space um, i remember the name of the conference i went to now uh, the trans conference I went to It was called Southern Comfort in, in, <laughs> in Atlanta. And that sounds it, familiar. It, it was some, it was a real eye opener. Yeah. Um, and and that was quite a while back, but I I wasn't really um, active in the community too much after that because of the cancer and whatnot, but. Um, yeah. We we have been marginalized. I, that that word really does describe it for me. Um. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Is there anything we've left out? Um.
1: If I have any parting words that I want people to remember me by. It's that for the youth, it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be same-sex attracted. You're not broken. There's nothing to fix. And we're gonna get us back to a place where that is entirely accepted. And you don't have to be attracted to genders You can be attracted to people, people with bodies. That's pretty much it.
0: Well, okay, I want to thank you so much for your time and your insights. And um, thank you for coming on Lesbian Echoes. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this segment of Lesbian Echoes. Be sure to check in with us next time as we bring the stories of lesbians lives to you.